0: We have got some visitors here with us this morning that it is my pleasure to introduce. Um, Mark and Anita, do you guys want to come up? Um, We've had. Woohoo! It's a real privilege to have Mark and Anita come be with us this morning. Um, Leo and I have been getting to know you guys, haven't we, for the last couple of years, I suppose now. Um, there's um, four of us church leaders that have kind of um, church-leading couples, as it were, who found each other through global legacy and just relationships, I suppose. Um, I met Mark um, four or five years ago, I suppose, came over to South End and had lunch with you, and then we realised that we knew Rob and Lizzie Pinnell between us and um, uh, another couple over at Rochford Community Church or... Community Church Rochford as they now are. Um uh, so um so yeah, it's just fun to see that actually there's relationships across our county that have just come about in the last few years that we're just kind of all leaning into and, and exploring what God wants to do with us together, aren't we? So um welcome. Thank you for being with us. Um I'm gonna give you this microphone. If you guys wanna um gonna share You wanna share first? That'd be great. Thank you. Just a bit of background really, yeah. It's been really great
1: to get to know Pete and Leo. And others in this whole sense of, actually, you know, we're family together, aren't we? And wherever you go in God's family, it's the same. You you're touching the same Jesus. You're with the same kind of people, and it's and it's brilliant. And you know, we just believe God wants to do this in our region, in Essex and beyond. And it's He, Him, who does it, obviously, not us. We're just we're just along for the ride, really, aren't we? Um, we have three children: twin boys and a daughter. Twin boys that came along. Um, not unexpectedly, but I didn't know I was having them until over halfway through um, my pregnancy. That year, I think lots of people were having babies, and so the scan, the scans that you could have in those days were a little later. So it's quite quite interesting, wasn't it, Mark, when we were told that there were two heads and four arms and four legs and stuff? And it was a bit of a, you know, I didn't know how I was going to cope with one baby, let alone two. But hey grace of god gets you through doesn't it and mark is very good at being up at three o'clock in the morning so that was a great help too then we had a daughter uh, our twin sons they're both married and we now have the privilege of having a granddaughter so most of you who are grandparents know you have that wonderful sense of being able to be part of their lives um but to be able to give them back at the end of the, the day or whatever we don't see her as much as we'd love to because they live north of Manchester, but. Um, very, very... That she's just brought a degree of wonder, a new wonder to our lives, hasn't she? Um, yes. Yeah, so we're part of the journey. Um, for me, I think I know less now than when I first became a Christian. I might know some stuff up here, but here, the the journey of the heart is always being recalibrated by what Jesus is saying, by what God is doing. And uh, over the last few years really this sense of what God is saying through how we are to honor one another how we are to um, enter into his freedom in new and exciting ways it's it's we're always learning you know just thinking about that the line of that song your grace has found me just as I am empty-handed but alive in your hands I think every day God finds us again with his grace we have nothing but we're alive in him to be able to just continue the journey and be partnering with one another. That's what I love. I love the partnering. I love being with you guys. I love being with Pete and Leo and others to just, you know, see what part we can play in this big, big tapestry of creativity. And woe to the people who are doing the, the, the rocks. I think what a brilliant idea that is. You know, keep continuing to do that because God is, hi, Hi there. Um, God is full of creative ideas, isn't he? And I won't go on anymore because Mark's got quite a lot to say. And we have to give him a five-minute warning because he's got no watch and that is very dangerous for somebody like Mark, let me tell you.
2: Yes, I am. That's the way the projector.
1: Do you want me to be your lovely assistant to hold it? There you go.
2: Okay, yes, I, i just reiterate everything Anita said. Um, but um, I'm going to need a 10-minute warning and then a 5-minute warning. Is that okay? I mean, really seriously. Um, Because my, my excuse, you see, is that when you preach the word of God, you're into the eternal word. And when you're in the eternal, like, what does time matter? But apparently it does. So you just got to make sure you're disciplined. Um, yeah, so just a little bit about Pete and I said it might be helpful to know a little bit about us personally. So um, I've had a, an interesting <coughs> excuse me, journey through my Christian life. Um, I was brought up in a Church of England family. And then in my teens, I got involved in a Baptist church. So I was an Anglo Baptist for years. Uh, Did the Anglicans in the morning and then did the Baptists in the evening. Got involved in a Baptist youth club. Um, And uh, that was really interesting. Was also part of uh, an organization called Crusaders, um, which has renamed itself probably wisely in our current era as, um, what are they called now? I can't remember what they're called. Anyway, they've they've, they've relabeled themselves. Um, But uh, that was a great interdenominational youth organization. Um, My one claim to fame in terms of the Christian world is that Cliff Richard was one of the leaders at our Crusader class. Um, He'd just become a Christian and one of the... One of the other leaders uh, was his English teacher at school who'd been instrumental in his conversion. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Um, name dropping is done. So um, biggest name to drop is Jesus. Isn't it? We'd all drop his name, so that's fine. Um, and then I uh, went off to college, went to, off to study to, uh, to be a teacher. Um, that's when I had a proper job. And... Um, I uh, thank you for those who laughed. Um, and um, the, <laughs> the, and then I, I got to college and discovered all sorts of versions of Christians I'd never come across before. They loved God. They loved his word. It's like, oh, right, okay. Um, and uh, very oddly, and I won't go into all the detail now, but when I got my first teaching job in Essex, which was on Canvey Island, which was a really interesting place to start your teaching career, um, uh, I, uh, I, I ended up being involved with the Salvation Army. Um, brass bands and uniforms are not my cup of tea. Um, But it didn't seem to make any difference to what God wanted at that point. Um, But then I bumped into this wonderful, wonderful lady who was called Anita. um, And then life changed completely. um, And... At the back of the Salvation Army Hall, won't go into the story about that, because she wasn't the Salvationist. In fact, she was late to church. Um, She'd become a Christian at university. She'd come home back to Lee for the first time since then, or maybe the second time, was looking for somewhere to go. was actually headed for the Methodist Church at the top of the road where she was, but she was late. And she passed the Salvation Army, and I thought, well, they're always good for a cup of tea. I'll pop in there and see what they're like. Um, (laughs) And and I just happened to be stood on the back door greeting people, looked around and thought, hmm by a long way, this is the youngest person in this meeting. (laughs) And I'm not, well, I'm older than her anyway, but I'm about the other youngest. I'll sit with her and help her through the service. Anyway, the rest is history. Three children and one grandchild later, and it's wonderful. Um, Anyway, so that's all, most of my time gone already, so better get on with what we're here for. Um, Yeah, so, uh, but what that's given me has been a wonder, it's just been a great love for the body of Christ. Um, And uh, everywhere I've been, whatever part of the body of Christ I've been, and I've met women, men and women who love God, love His Word, love His presence, and I've learned so much. Um, And in these sort of days of, of connection built on relationship rather than structure, Um, It's really great because when I come across people in other settings, I kind of get them, I get their language, I get their setting, I understand, I honor them, um, and it just helps the flow of communication. So, there we go. Um, Also, out of the song we sang this morning um, about uh, he's fighting our battles um, and he's won every battle, um, I just wanted to say something which I think, well, it's, it's, it's an encouragement for every one of us, actually, but I think in particular there are some folks here who will be encouraged to understand this. Um, When you were born again, you were born from and into Jesus' victorious life. Within your spiritual DNA, you are a warrior. Because you've been birthed into the victory of Jesus. And so you can face any circumstance knowing that built into your DNA is the capacity to be a warrior. And Jesus has already won the battle. I yeah, wow. hope that's an encouragement to some of you. Okay, so um, uh, yeah, I just, thought, just chatted with uh, with Pete, and it's been great getting to know these guys um, and their passion for God and their passion for His purposes and the kingdom. Um, like, it, it's uh, talking with them over the last little while. You know, we've been on a very similar journey. Um, we we came from a classic like house church background in the 70s. Um, and we've been on our journey and we were, we've been in and out of new sort of new uh, church streams um, um, and have <laughs> all of had hot breakfasts really. Not quite that many, but it felt like it at times. Um, but uh, at the moment we're not part of a, of a network as such um, and yet we're more connected in the body of Christ than we've ever been because it's all born out of relationship, not out of structure. Um, and, we, and we've just been on this huge learning curve. You know, what, is, what does relational leadership look like rather than positional leadership? What does relational authority look like rather than positional authority? What is this honor stuff? What is this freedom stuff really? And like, it's been this huge learning curve and things I taught for years, I've had to stand up and say, I'm really sorry. <sighs> Seeing it differently now. We're changing our perspective on these things because we believe God's changing our perspective. Had to apologize to a lot of people for things we taught that we thought were freedom at the time and actually was kind of locking some people up, particularly women. Um, And uh, we've just been on our journey. But God is gracious, isn't he? He's good, always good, relentlessly good and kind. Um, And uh, he's going to help us through. And fortunately... A lot of people have also learned how to be forgivers and to forgive those of us who've been in leadership who have not always led well, um, and we're grateful for that. So I just wanted to uh, just focus a little bit maybe on um, uh, how our relationship with God works individually. Um, we've, we've been on this huge journey, and we do, do a lot of stuff at home um, on sort of like relationship with each other, relationship is key, love is the highest peak, um, and all that kind of stuff, just learning it all the time. But, of course, all of this can only happen if we're really connected well with Father God and Son and Holy Spirit. Um, And uh, so I just thought we'd spend a few minutes just having a think about how does that relationship with God work. And I I have to apologize, but I have a bit of a funny preaching style in that when I'm preparing, I really feel as though I get the words I want to share, so I actually write them down and print them out, and then I read them. Um, I hope that isn't off-putting, but it's just how it works for me, and I hope it works for you. Um, So just thinking about human relationships... Um, Do you look for chances to be with people you love? Do you give people you love your focused attention? Do you find out what blesses and gives pleasure to people you love? And by the way, if you've never come across Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages, um, get that book and read it in terms of understanding how to connect with people and for them to feel loved in a way that works for them, which doesn't necessarily work for us. Do you put the needs of people you love above your own? Do you listen to and take advice of people you love? Do you share the good and the bad, the joyful and the painful bits of your life with people you love? Do you celebrate The qualities you admire or are grateful for in those you love when you're with others and they're not present. Do you plan good stuff to do with those you love? London sounded like a fantastically well-planned good stuff day. So, and, And I'm guessing that you will be answering yes to those questions in terms of human relationships, where the foundation of that relationship is a genuine love for one another. So my, my question to myself and to all of us this morning is, so how is that working in your relationship with God? How much do you love God and long for his presence? When was the last time you spent unrushed time with him? And ask him how he felt about that. And how did you feel after that? Do you spend time with him like that often enough? What do you think, say and do that brings a smile to his face? Need to referred to our granddaughter. She's just coming up to three. We get regular clips, video clips via WhatsApp about what she's, the latest thing she's just done. It brings a smile to our face. What's the last thing you said or did that you know brought a smile to your heavenly dad's face? In what areas of your life do you find it easy to put his will before your own? And in what areas of life do you find it hardest to put his will before your own? And right here, right now, bring to mind an area where you once struggled to put his will above your own, And now it's no longer a struggle. Can you do that? Can you just reflect on your relationship with God and rehearse right now an area that at one time you know it was really hard to put his will above your own, but now you've broken through and it's okay. So let's celebrate right here and right now the freedom and the peace that agreeing with God brings. Because that's what happened. When you got aligned with God's will... When you surrender to his will, the fruit of it is peace and the fruit of it is strength. And now you're bringing more Christ-like into the world through that bit of your life. You're bringing more Christ-likeness into the world because he was all about your will, not mine. Be done. Do you listen out for the wisdom, direction and voice of the Holy Spirit in every part of your life? (laughs) You know, we still sometimes as Christians have this very strange uh, sort of secular and spiritual divide in our thinking. Mm-hmm. And that somehow Holy Spirit is involved in the spiritual bits of our life, but the practical bits of our life are the practical bits, and he's not involved in that. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. It just isn't true. Um, and, uh, yeah, do you, do you look out for the Holy Spirit's wisdom, direction, and voice? How frequently do you read the Bible? So that the author, your father, can speak to you through the Holy Spirit. There's rec- a, a, a recent survey was done of charismatic evangelical Christians as to how frequently they read the Bible. It turned out to be a survey of how infrequently charismatic evangelical Christians spend time with God in his word. It was a surprise. What's the latest thing the Holy Spirit has said or shown you from God's word. He shows us all sorts of things in all sorts of ways. But what's the latest thing he's shown you from God's word? Being receptive and responsive to his word and his spirit is part of what it means to love him. What's it like when you let God into your experiences of life? And what's it like when you leave him out? What's the best bit of your life at the moment? I just have a think about that. What would you define as the best bit of your life at the moment? And don't go all spiritual, just be real. And it it may be something that's actually very, very in that sense, like on the spiritual end of the spectrum, but it may not be. But what would you say is right now the best bit of your life? And what is God saying about that? And what would you say right now is the worst bit of your life? What's the bit of your life that, if you could, you would cut out of your life and put aside and leave behind? And what is God saying about that? What part of your experience of God and His love for you do you love sharing most with others? What's your best story? about what it is for you to know and love God? And do you share it? And which of God's brilliant plans to do people good is he drawing you into right now? And I don't mean church stuff. It might be church stuff. I mean life. I mean your connections, family, neighbours, working environment, leisure environment, whatever you do. Which of God's brilliant plans to do people good is he drawing you into right now? Because God's always planning to do people good. And the way he does it is through us. And what is the dream? What is the plan, the purpose God wrapped you around and put you on earth to fulfill? Because there was one. It's why you're here. It says in his word that before the foundation of the world he knew us. Before anything was created, you were in his mind's eye. The time when you would be born, the place where you would be born, the context into which you were born were known to him before anything was created. And he had a plan, he had a dream of something he wanted to happen on earth. And he wrapped you around that dream and caused you to be born. So that that bit of his dream could be expressed and only you can express it because that's the bit he's given you to be committing to walk in his unfolding will for our life is part of what it means to love him so if we build relationships where we invest unhurried time because we love to be with that person and give them our focused attention Relationships where we bring a smile to the other person's face and put their healthy wants and needs as a higher priority than our own. Relationships where we receive, act on and defer to the other person's wisdom and experience because we can trust their motivation is love. Relationships where we allow a person who loves us into the joys and sorrows of our life experience. The love for someone else that spills over into celebrating who they are with others when they aren't around. Relationships founded on love, where we dream and make adventurous plans together. If we have relationships like that, we are the richest people on earth. In relationships like that, we grow to know one another better and better. We come to appreciate one another more and more. And love between us gets stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper. And we discover life as God intended. And there's a very simple answer to the question, why is it like that? It's because God is our heavenly father, our papa in heaven, our spiritual dad. And that's how he designed us. We are made in his image. And that's what he's like. That's how he wants to connect with us, how he wants to connect with you. He wants you to know without a shadow of doubt that he loves you with all his heart. He loves to be with you. He loves to give you his unhurried time and his focused attention. He loves to bring a smile to your face. He loves to make your healthy needs his priority. That's why he came to us in Jesus. And he knows what we need better than we do. He loves to listen to what excites you. And he loves to enter into every single part of your experience of life. He loves celebrating who you are. He has put gold and precious jewels into every one of you. And he keeps speaking to them to draw them out until they shine and sparkle and display his splendor in the way he always intended that they would. And he loves to help you discover the dream he wrapped you around and then partner with you in seeing that part of his will become visible on the earth as it is in heaven. He is absolutely committed to his relationship with you going as deep and as becoming as strong as you will allow it to be. Because the amazing thing about God is that he will not force himself. He aches and he longs to be so much to us, but we determine what he can be to us. We've sung of the almighty, all-powerful, amazing God, and yet he will limit himself in your relationship to how far you're prepared to let him go. 'Cause he loves you and he won't enforce himself on you. But he longs also to expand our experience and our knowledge of who he is and what he's like and what he wants to be to us. How we do. Okay. Okay. So uh John, uh there's this amazing story um between John and Peter after the resurrection. It's in John 21, 15 to 17. It's the story when Jesus was making breakfast on the beach. That's a great way to be a friend of Jesus, isn't it? Have breakfast on the beach. What a great idea that is. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Do you love me more than these? There are various interpretations to these. In the light of Peter having said before, Jesus was arrested and killed, that even if everyone else ran away, he would stick with Jesus and then went on to publicly deny knowing him or having anything to do with him three times. And this is the first personal encounter between Jesus and Peter since then. Peter, do you love me more than these? Did Jesus mean The miraculous catch he had just provided after their fruitless night's work. Peter, do you love me more than the miracles I make possible? And that's a good question for some of us in the light of us pushing into the tipping point, into the supernatural and healing. And it's a right tipping point to press into. But do we long for the miracle more than we long for the person who makes them possible? Let's get the balance right. Did Jesus mean, do you love me more than these others love me? Not as a competition. I love Jesus more than you love Jesus. But maybe, Peter, you once said, even if all others desert you, I will never... And we all know it didn't work. Do you really love me more than these? Because that's what you said, Peter. Or can your love for me falter as much as theirs? Peter, I'm going to give you responsibility to care for my flock. Let's not have any of this, I love him more than you do. I serve him better than you do. I sacrifice more for him than you do. Nonsense. My grace for leadership rests on humility. Not arrogance. Or did Jesus mean, do you love me more than you love these guys? Or did Jesus mean his work as a fisherman? Peter, do you love me and the call on your life to shepherd my flock more than the boats, the nets, the fishing trade you've returned to in your frustration and confusion? Good question for some of us. Is the security of what we know and are familiar with holding us back from taking the risk of stepping into his call on our lives. Which do we love more? Or is our disappointment or confusion about what God is up to, or maybe in our perception what he's not up to in our lives, or the fear of what his call on our lives could mean, proving stronger than our love for him? Or has our love for our gift and call become greater than our love for the one who gave us the gift the call in the first place Nitra and I uh, had to face up to some really important stuff Uh, was it nearly three years ago now? Two and a half years ago and uh, it resulted in those that we hold ourselves accountable to at Southend and our oversight saying you need to stop for three months and you need to stop sooner than later And I'm not going to go into all the the detail. But what had happened was that we, and particularly I, had been so committed and involved with the call and the ministry that unintentionally I had neglected my own family. And things had arisen and things had been said and some stuff had um, really gone pear-shaped in our family life um, that was a result of my having wrongly placed priorities, believing I was serving God well and serving his people well and giving myself to the kingdom. And uh, I won't go into all this in detail, but um, we took three months out to spend some time. And we were told the only reason for this sabbatical is to rest and then to listen to what God's saying. And during the course of that time, we met with some couples in the church. And um, a lady said to me, um, out of her experience with her husband... Um, He has my heart, but work is his mistress. And when she said that, it was like, God, that's what's happened. Anita has always had my heart, but ministry was my mistress. And I'd let her down, and I'd let my family down in various ways. I'm not saying it's all awful and terrible and whatever, but I had... I'd allowed ministry to become an ungodly lover, <laughs> out of priority and out of order, with where my affection should have lied most fully. And you see, God can have our heart, but other things can be our mistress. Money can be our mistress. Your hobby can be your mistress. Your family or your pet can be your mistress. Anything or anyone can replace God as the first and greatest love of our hearts. It's not that loving other people or our work or our ministry or our pet is wrong. The question Jesus asks, do you love me more? And that choice is always ours. He'll never force us to love him more than we love anyone or anything else. Love doesn't work like that. But if we have recognized that Jesus has done for us what no other person or the biggest bank account in the world could ever do for us, if we have recognized that Jesus was willing to leave everything he had a right to in heaven and come to earth so we could really see what the Father of heaven is like, If we have recognized that Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross and the resurrection has brought us forgiveness, deliverance, cleansing and healing and provided us with 24-7 access to the Father's love and the throne room of heaven, if we've recognized... That Jesus' resurrection and enthronement in heaven means that through the Holy Spirit, God's own love, life and presence takes up residence in our hearts to give us the power to live as he's always intended. If we recognize that these are the most important things that could ever happen to us and they last for and determine our eternal destiny, if we recognize that no one else could ever do that for us but Jesus, why wouldn't he be the first and greatest love of our hearts? Which other person or thing could ever say, I love you more than Jesus loves you? So why wouldn't we look? Why would we look anywhere else to experience the deepest, highest, widest love we could ever know than to find it in him. So just some thoughts about what it is to make him the the king of our hearts, what it means to make him the first love of our lives. And just to finish off this morning, I've just got some thoughts for you to reflect on. We're going to have a slide come up. Thank you, Mark. Um, And hopefully these will be some thoughts that you can take away this morning and just sort of do a bit of a rain check on where are you and God at in terms of the relationship? Because his side, he is absolutely passionate about you. (laughs) So I'd encourage you this morning and I encourage myself to develop your longing for his presence. What would that look like for you? In your life and life circumstances. I'd encourage you to give him unhurried time. Regularly. And I know in seasons of life it's like, (laughs) how does that work? When there's all the kids to get up every day and get them to school and get them sorted out and then get to work and then get home and then look after the or Or in some seasons of life, there's, a, there's an, a, an elderly relative who has massive needs and needs attention. There's always, always the demands of life. And God understands that. But somewhere in the middle of it all, give him unhurried time regularly. Next one, Mark. And when you're with him, Give him your focused attention. So many of us, are tested, we, we we sit down to talk with God, and then we find that our minds are somewhere else. Like that that background tape that's playing all the time—the things to do, the things we're concerned about, the things we're hoping for—like and, and and just the tape begins to play. And you think, oh, oh, I was talking to you just a minute ago and now I'm thinking about this. Well, if your mind wanders, chase after it, bring it back and get it focused where it should have been. For that purpose, for that time, because that's what the focus is for that time. Think thoughts, say words, and do things which bring a smile to his face. (laughs) Make a habit of finding out what he thinks and wants about the stuff going in in your life and then make his priorities yours. It's the best way to live every part of life because he's wiser than us, he's bigger than us, he's stronger than us, he has better ideas than we have. (laughs) Be responsive and receptive to what your father says to you through his word And by his spirit. Receptivity is so important. Developing that posture of heart. That is open. To hear him. To see what he's doing. And then respond. Let him into every experience of your life. And let him be everything he wants to be to you. Don't have any no-go areas for God in any part of your life experience, any part of your marriage, any part of your parenting, any part of your working life, any part of your shopping, a- any part of your holiday. It's funny, you know, sometimes you see this, it's this sacred, secular divide thing. You know, Christians go on holiday and somehow or another you can do things and say things on holiday that you wouldn't when you're at home How does that work? Because God's in Mallorca as well as in Chelmsford, Mm -hmm. or wherever you go on holiday. And it's not like, oh, God's here, I can't do that. It's like, if you feel that, why would you want to do it then? What's that bit of escape about? And share with others what you love about him regularly. What's your best story about God and his love for you? And don't keep the story to yourself. I can't remember, Mark. We've got any more or are we done? Oh, we've got one more. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And go on a journey to discover the dream he wrapped you around and then partner with him for that dream to become visible through your life. The first time I heard somebody express that, it like blew my mind. They were preaching out of those verses about before the foundation of the world. And the thought that God had a dream of something he wanted to happen on earth. And he wrapped me around that dream and caused me to be born so that bit of his dream could be fulfilled on earth. Isn't that amazing? It's true for every single one of us. There are no also rans in the kingdom. So I hope some of that is helpful to you this morning. We just love hearing about your journey and how your journey with God, the move to the new premises, is going to be so good. We 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 were nomads for a number of years. We know what like arriving, setting up, packing up, getting out by the deadline, which is why speakers have to stop when they're meant to stop. Um, and all that kind of stuff, we, 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 live, we lived that way for a lot of years. And uh, to have your own building, to have a base where you can be established, it's going to be such a great part. And what God has for you, in terms of your journeying together, the impact, what it will look like for Chelmsford to be transformed by you and other parts of the Bride of Christ, and what it will look like for Essex to be transformed by us collaborating together. And seeing what God's agenda is to change the reputation by which Essex is known. Wow. That's a good dream. God bless you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share with you.
3: I don't know about you guys, but I feel a bit, wow. (laughs) There was so much in there that not only caught my heart up again in how much God loves me, but also the invitation has been extended to us again for us to revisit our lives, hasn't it? And we just thought, because we've got a few minutes, you didn't go over, so well done. Um, We've got a few minutes. So what we're going to do in a minute is we're just going to get in pairs, or little groups, and just talk about this slide practically and talk about what things could we do in our lives to establish unhurried time. But there's such an anointing on Mark uh, the revelation of the love of God. But I would just love you to pray for us first. Is that okay? Thank you. thank you. So much,
2: yeah. Can I just encourage you before I pray, can I just encourage you to, whatever this phrase means for you, look up into his face. Whatever that means for you, But look up into his face. And what do you see in his face? What's in his eyes? What's dancing around his mouth? What's coming out of his mouth? Because what he says to us in Jesus is the only thing in my eyes is passionate love. Dancing around my mouth is laughter and a smile. Because you are my son, you are my daughter. And with you I'm delighted, I'm well pleased because you're in Jesus and what I think about him is now what I think about you because when I see you, I see him and what's coming out of his mouth are words of wisdom and words of life and words of encouragement and words of blessing And words that will challenge. But it's the challenge of love wooing a response of love. Thank you for the sense of your heart for us this morning, Father God. Thank you for the passionate love that took Jesus to the cross And beyond the grave into resurrection life. Thank you for the shout of victory and praise in heaven. When Jesus ascended and took his rightful place. And opened a new and living way for us to have direct access to you 24-7. With nothing to stand in the way. Thank you for your love for every one of us, Father God. Show us how to love you well. Amen.
3: Thank you, Mark, for that incredible word. Have you got something on a moderator? It was just when Mark was talking
1: about the jewels that are inside us that God is calling out, um, I had this strong impression that um, there's somebody, maybe more than one person, that actually not only is it not about blowing the dust off the jewels, you've actually put them away. And specifically, you've put the ring away, the ring that symbolises god's fathering and the authority he's given to you so whether there's been an experience about that we just had this sense of actually i've put the ring away and i don't want to get that ring out because i've been disappointed and hurt by something that's happened so if that's you i'm really happy to pray for you but i just want to declare hope into your situation if that is you but it's time to pull open the uh, the jewel um jewelry box and specifically get that ring out and put it on your finger, or allow allow God, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to sort of put it on your finger again. That's really important. Thank you.